We're posting this episode, our study of Genesis 1 and 2 and the accompanying chapters in the Pearl of Great Price, on January 1st, 2022. It's a new year, and at least for me, new years bring a sense of possibility about what can and what I want to be created in the coming weeks and months. In this episode, we study creation, how God does it, and how we can do it too. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello, hello, welcome to episode two of 2022. We are studying in the Old Testament this year, following along with the Come Follow Me weeks. Um, And this week, we dive in officially to the Bible. Last week, our first episode one was Moses and Abraham, the beginning there. And this week, we'll be studying three accounts of the creation. So Moses 2 through 3, Abraham 4 through 5, and of course, beginning in the Old Testament with Genesis 1 through 2. And we're excited to dig in. And we decided that this week we're just going to start off by answering all the questions that you've ever had about the creation. <laughs> just kidding. Well, there are a lot of questions that come up that I think if we can clear them out of the way at the beginning, it'll make our path through the Old Testament a little bit easier. So, so what you're saying is... We're gonna. You're gonna help answer some of my questions that I was asking you <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> like, for example, just why is there? You know, we're studying three accounts that are mostly the same. You'll probably notice some small differences in the three different versions of the creation. But um, yeah, why do we have three? Why three accounts? Why are we studying all of them? Well, Genesis one and two obviously is the account we have of the creation in the Old Testament. Moses two and three comes from Joseph Smith's inspired translation of the Old Testament account. So as Joseph read the Old Testament, after he finished translating and publishing the Book of Mormon, he moved on to translating or retranslating the Bible. And that's where we get this Moses account. Abraham 4 and 5 come from uh, revelation revealed to Joseph as he read and pondered the papyri that came into his hands. And there's a long history with that. But uh, those three accounts come from three different kind of revelatory traditions, uh, uh, ancient scripture, modern translation, and modern scripture, if you will. That makes sense. And I think it's helpful to to maybe backtrack to last week, um, that we didn't really get to that part of where Moses and Abraham mm-hmm. came from. Um, and so I think it's helpful as we move forward, because if you've noticed, we do have a few more coming up weeks coming up where we'll be studying in where both Moses, overlap. Yep, Moses and Abraham. So. And there are some differences. Uh, you look at the Moses account of creation, and it's written in first person. I, God, did these things. In the Abraham account, it's a council of gods. It's the Lord God counseling with other gods. And then they, the gods, it's even included in parentheses, go down and do the things that they do. Uh, And there's some additional places here and there. And we'll leave that study for you because it's actually really kind of fun, a little treasure hunt to go through and find out what the differences are and what those insights are. Okay, the question that I have that comes quite often when we're reading the creation accounts, it's actually two questions. One about the order, and one about the timing. So the question on the order is, 
the account of creation in Genesis 1 and, or Genesis chapter 1 is different than the account of creation that we get in the temple. Which order is correct? Um, the second question is timing. Did God really create the earth in seven days? And if he did, does that mean that the earth is only 7,000 years old because man was created here? And to both of those questions, there's, I think, a, a perspective we need to have about the Old Testament that's helpful. Um, and that is that the Old Testament was, like all scripture, was not written to provide a detailed account of the what and the how, or maybe even the when, it was written to answer questions about the who and the why. We mentioned this a little bit last week. But the creation account is not a someone observing the creation and taking journal entries of what happened and then transcribing those into scripture. It's not anybody saying this is exactly what happened, exactly the way it happened, and exactly the time that it happened. In fact, if you look in Abraham, the word for day there is time. Um, so it's not seven 24-hour periods. It's seven periods of time. And what happens in each period of time um, is, or it wasn't recorded to delineate exactly what happened in each period of time. It was more written to show us who did the creating and why. And I think that's where the fascinating study comes in. And that really takes us back to our questions from last week, which we hinted at last week that we kind of want this to be a theme throughout our study this year of the Old Testament is who is God and who am I? That these are the great overarching questions that the Bible study gives us a chance to really understand who God is. And I think that the creation story is a great way to start that. Such a perfect way to maybe to piggyback off of some of what I mentioned last week is to understand the the vastness and the greatness of God is that it's it's not linear. It's not as linear as saying, okay, this day happened, this day happened, and this is how many hours were in that day, but to understand more greatly who God really is. Well, and I think that's a great place for us to start this week because the at least one answer to both of those questions that comes from our study this week is... God is a creator, and he invites us to be a co-creator with him. Who is God? He's a creator. He does it. I think he kind of likes it. And question two, who am I? I am put on this earth to be a creator too. We'll talk more about this in an upcoming episode, but for me, it's a completely revolutionary idea that my earth life is not just a test on whether or not I can be worthy enough to make it to the celestial kingdom one day. Rather, my earth life is the very practice for that celestial life. It's the, the, where, where I do what God wants me to do, what, God, what, what a life like God eventually will be. So I create and I work and I work with people and I love and I care. And so this. And can I just add in? And you get frustrated, and you get all the other <laughs> human. All of that, yes. <laughs> I'm just picturing some of the things that we've been forced to create lately. It's like, hmm, don't really want to learn how a dishwasher works, but you did that. <laughs> and well, and that that is for me. Maybe this episode is um, really personal. We talk about discover, invest, and connect in our episodes, and the invest portion of this episode for me of this study is, I care a lot about creation. I think we all do. Um, we're recording this episode on 
New Year's Day, when we're thinking about New Year's resolutions and things we want to create in the new year, a new me or a new habit or a new skill. And so the idea of creation, that God is a creator and that he puts me to work creating things in this life is really compelling. And I think a great frame for studying these chapters in the Old Testament. Well, I love the new the idea of New Year's resolution as we come into this this study today, as we get to take our part in the creation. In Genesis chapter 2, here in verse 5, we read, um, you know, we've read all about the creation, and then it's the chance for man to get to work with God. And there was no man to work the ground, and God needed someone to help him with these things. And that's kind of exciting too, that we um, get to see and look at God's wonders, but that we also have a part to play in this. So an important thing to remember as we look at the greatness of God, what is our part to play in that too? He, he, we, he created us because he needed us. Yeah. Well, and especially to understand that in terms of the plan of salvation, if our goal, if his plan for us is to help us become like him, then he has to put us to work doing the things that he does. We have to create, if we're going to learn how to be eternal and divine creators, we have to love and live and mold and shape if we're ever going to learn how to do that in the eternities. So with all of that in mind, I want to look at God the Creator and what we learn from how He creates that we can take into our own creative experiences. And what's interesting to me is there's actually two creation accounts at the beginning of Genesis. If you notice in chapter 2, it's one of those places throughout the Bible, uh, the chapter headings and the verses were arbitrarily added later on. And so a lot of times it's really helpful to kind of read through the chapter heading, just skip over it as if there's no break there. And I don't think there should be one between verse 31 of chapter 1 and verse 1 of chapter 2. Verse 31 says, God saw everything that he made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. That's the end of creation. And then chapter two, verse four, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. It starts over again. There are some Bible scholars that believe that the first part of Genesis might have been added at some point later on, either by Moses or by someone else as kind of a preface to the Old Testament, but that this second creation account might be the original account. Now, whether that's true or not, it is interesting to look at both creation accounts and to look at what God does in both places. Again, not to exactly pinpoint what he does and how he does it but to learn the lessons that these accounts can teach us about our own creative experiences. So, in Genesis 1, you'll notice that God creates through word. At every single point in the creation, God says, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be a firmament, and there was a firmament. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. It's God creating by word, which because we know that this God that's doing the creating is the same God that was in the New Testament. It's the same Jesus who taught and preached. That completely resonates because Jesus did much of what he did in the New Testament 
with words, through his teachings. Even his healings, he did through words. And so it resonates and I think connects really clearly to understand that our God creates things through words. The second creation account is interesting, though, because here it's not words, it's work. Notice this. Right in the first verse of the second creation account, chapter 2, verse 4, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was no man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight. It's God making and forming and breathing and planting. And for me, this time through, this account was so compelling to me because it resonated with what... <laughs> you mentioned our dishwasher. It, it resonated with what creation is for me. Uh, I love the part of creation that's thinking about it and talking about it and idealizing about it. What I don't love is the part of creation where I have to work and breathe and sweat and labor. But to understand that that's what God did, that part of creation was him being involved in the creative process, the forming and the making and the breathing and the bringing to life, um, helps connect my efforts to him and helps me feel a little bit more at place when I'm sweating over a dishwasher. Well, I like that thought because I think we can view creation as, and I'm not saying this is just me musing because I just a thought I had <laughs> um, that we can maybe even make it seem almost like a Star Wars or Harry Potter where it's like, <laughs> wave a hand and... and he created this. But to think that there really is this, um, this work and labor that he put into, into us. And I think it's unique, at least in my study and what I looked at to think that um, some of the the work that he put the most effort into or that he seemed to labor over the most was us. And the, it was kind of this teamwork almost because he formed us and then he started, starting in verse 15, the Lord took the man and placed him in the garden to work it and watch over it. Um, he needed us and wanted us to help him do it. It wasn't this, um, although I really want a Harry Potter wand that really works. Um, <laughs> that's not exactly how it worked, though maybe it did. I don't know. Just thinking that it's probably a little of both of those yeah. for a God who creates the worlds. Well, and I think it's maybe even more helpful rather than trying to pinpoint exactly how he did it all those millennia ago. It's helpful for me to see that's how he does it today. I can point to moments in my life where God has created something in me with words whether it's an idea that came from scripture or something that came from listening to a talk um, or just talking with you or talking with our family, um, a word lodges in my mind and creates within me a desire or an idea or a prompting. I can also see plenty of moments where God creates things in my life through effort, where um, something happens, something moves, I feel my heart shift, or something happens in our life, a change of situation, a change of circumstance. Um, and uh, seeing both of those is really helpful 
both because it helps me see when God is at work creating things in my life, but also to recognize that that's how I can be about creating things as well, creating through words, and then also creating through effort. Well, as we studied, something that we both did was highlighted some of those words that describe the work that God was at. And just to read some of those, I think it's kind of helpful, made, um, work, formed, breathed, became, planted, caused, um, took, um, work, watch. I think that's those are some really powerful words when we think about when the times that maybe we've seen God working or doing some of those things in our lives or that maybe we've had to meet him and done some of those things on our own. In fact, I think that's a great way to invest your own mind and personal life into this study is to ask yourself question one, maybe to to identify some of those words in your own study and then to ask yourself, when have I seen God do these things in my life? When am I seeing him currently doing them? This year, 2022, can I identify places where God forms or breathes or plants or commands? Um, I love in chapter one that God's words are both the kind that create things or cause things to happen and also the kinds of words that validate things. At the end of each creative day, he says this is good. And sometimes that's how God creates things in us. He he validates us. He helps us to feel. So that's maybe the first question. Uh, where can I see God doing this in my life? And then the second invest question is, how can I do what God does? How can I use my words to instigate change? How can I use my words to validate growth? How can I form or how can I breathe life? How can I plant? How can I command? How can I follow the example of God in the little garden that he has given me to cultivate and to work on? Well, I think this study and actually last week too is a great place to start um, for us. It's New Year's Day as we're recording this and probably you'll listen to this close to the New Year's. Um, I think it's a great place to start as we set our New Year's resolutions, whether they're big or small. I think asking ourselves these questions of who is God, who am I, how does he create, and how can I create? I think those are great ways or great beginnings for whatever your looking goals you're looking to set and a great discussion to help you connect with others over God's word. So maybe that's your family or it's your a Sunday school class or a primary class. How can we use God's example of creation? Um, and also knowing who God is and what he thinks of us. I think those are so fundamental in creating change in ourselves. In fact, I'm thinking of my seminary teacher friends and uh, thinking of just how great this study is at the beginning of a calendar year when you've got students coming back from the holiday break um, to study Moses chapter one, like we did last week, and ask, allow students to ask and receive answers to the question of uh, who is God and who am I and what work does he have for me to do? That was last week. This week, we get to work on that work. And so it'd be a great question to ask students, what are some things that you see God doing to create or to do his work that you want to do in your work this year? 
and to help coach students to be really specific on setting some goals and then some specific plans or actions to reach those goals. I think this could be a really rich study you can have with them. Again, letting uh, whether it's your seminary students or your Sunday school class or yourself or your family, your children, asking these kinds of big, personal, meaningful questions and then allowing whoever it is that we're talking to the time to ponder and get personal answers to those questions. I think is a really rich way to study some of these really introspective sections of scripture. Thank you so much for being with us this week. We wish you a very happy new year and a great study. See you next week.